I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Whether you're a brand, large or small business or an individual, you need customers or clients, and the chances are some of your potential customers are probably listening to this podcast right now. From history, when Napoleon led Boulogne for a year, politics, if that person is poor, it's a bad neighborhood. Then you have the disproportionate police brutality, which is meted out instantly at people of color. Culture. Had they written it that Chris called an ambulance for hours straight away, and we wouldn't have learned about the severity of alcohol withdrawal either. Well done to the writers. Thank you for making a wonderful podcast, but I'd give Rotherham a miss. Very. <laughs> <laughs> the Rotherham Tourist Board. Geekdom. The flag is a graphic symbol, not a verbal symbol. You know, why don't we just write France on the flag? I mean, we laugh when you think of putting a country's name on a flag. Society or music. Young people began to turn away from their parents' ethics and their style of dress. And they began to dance to a new type of music. Royfield Brown's podcasts are downloaded just under 100,000 times a month. So putting your message here could well be a wise investment. If you have something to hawk, sell, or promote, why not email royfield at gmail.com and hear your product or service promoted to up to 100,000 articulate listeners today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Oh.
what a festive dum-de-dum. Oh, I'm full of the season's joys. I'm looking out at my little Canadian lockdown self-isolated window and there's wisps of snow drifting down. Oh, how Christmassy! I know, oh. folks, this is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that has centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the magically and incredibly applied bridal makeup who is Roy Fior Brown, and with me I have the clown like applied eyeliner and lipstick who is Philippa Hall. And the last part of this week's hurried makeover, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum comes from, gosh, Melissa Stott. Now, Philippa, Melissa Stott is kind of like a celebrity. Did you know? I did not, but that that was incredible. I love that dum de dum. It was incredibly festive yeah. and wonderful. And um, she lives in Italy, and she's a bit of a jazz singer. She's had record deals, don't she? <gasps> you know, she is a somebody. She's a some a somebody wow. has deigned to give us a dum de dum. I'm curtsying as you say that. I'm very impressed. Well, I don't know if she's royalty. She's she's royalty in the in the in the record world, so I'm I'm still gonna curtsy. That's true. That's true. She's probably the type of person that has a blue little tick next to her name on any yeah. of the social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh how we crave the blue tick, yes. Well, if she does, <laughs> lucky her, yes. Good for her, good for Melissa. So uh, Melissa Stott, thank you for that. Can I just say thank you to everybody else who has sent us in dumpy dumps because we have an embarrassment of riches. Remember like the last two weeks I've been like, ooh, you bleeders, you don't send anything in, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's gone from one extreme to another. I'm kind of worried that we won't have enough time to even play out all the Christmas ones which I've had because that's not the only Christmas dumpy dump. Well, we've got some more episodes left. So- you never know. Maybe we just need more episodes of Dum De Dum then. Daily instead of weekly. Well, who's going to do those then? <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you think about that? Um, anyway, folks, thank you for rallying to the cause. If you would like to sing us a Dum De Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send us a text message starting with D-U-M to 07786 Thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy V. Freeman. On this week's episode, we hear views from Jonah, he's a new caller in, Helen from Rotherham, Cheryl from Cornwall, Glyn, full of love, me old dad, Drew, he's actually from Tokyo, the cranky Yankee, who's from New York, Jenny from Southampton, Fiona, who's from I don't know where, and Andrew Horn, who's from Surbiton or somewhere kind of upper middle class and a bit posh outside of London. Uh, right, but first, before all of that goodness, is Amber and the week that was in Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber, and on this week in Ambridge... Chris definitely has absolutely nothing to worry about, as Alice returns home absolutely fully well, with a cohort of non-suspicious names in her phone. (laughs) Alice's ears immediately prick up at the prospect of moonshine, as Peggy says Kate's making homemade hand sanitizer. Kirsty becomes Mrs. Moss as Helen waxes lyrical on how she couldn't see what was in front of her. Dramatic irony here, lost on no one. 
Victoria's the latest pantomime villain, while Philip Moss seems oblivious to the problem of being linked with near enough murder. Oh, there you go. Thank you for that, Amber. Mm. Or do like a bong at the start of a dum de dum. (laughs) Who was your favourite News at 10 newscaster? Oh my goodness, why would you just throw that in there? I have absolutely been. Thanks. Listen, I've just been worried about getting arrested because I've been Googling this week, what do you do if your spouse is a slave trader? So I'm expecting. Some sort of knock on the door. Are you suspecting that uh, Mr. Hall uh, is actually (laughs) trading in in humans? I was interested in the implications for Kirsty. So I I was just typing all this in and thought, I'm not sure. And also the um, average salary of a cheesemaker. Those are my top two Googles (laughs) this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, if you've got a dodgy search to make, what you should do, get your incognito browser out, right? right? And double security, get yourself down to the library, public library, get on one of their computers and then still do incognito browser. So your tracks are covered both ways, but that's what I would do <laughs> yeah. if I was here. That's not worrying at all, yeah. Mm. <laughs> do you know what the average salary of a cheesemaker is, though? Um, I'm going to guess in the UK... 20, 27,000 pounds a year. Oh, well, you are in the right tens of thousands. 21,250 pounds. Gosh. These facts are amazing. That's not a career path open to you then. Because you remember you saying that you're going to give up your high fluted uh, career in international finance if you could get a mortgage making cheese. Well, it just seemed to be that she would have to have a salary of about 100000 to get that mortgage through, uh, depending upon what deposit, I suppose, Pat and Tony provide for her. Um, but uh, yes, salary of 21000 She's she's going to be buying a house of about 100000 It's way more than that. I'm sorry. Mm. Well, Andrew Horn comes up with a very good point uh, later about all this mortgage malarkey. Just before we go on to order inners, is there anything that you'd like to discuss about the last week in Ambridge, other than all the obvious stuff? Is there something you would? Yes, very much so. Freddie said that books are boring, and I'm sorry, I'm not having it. He said it's middle aged and it's boring, and you know, forget any other seismic events in the week. That for me, I just don't know what to say. I'm sure you disagree with him, wouldn't you, Royfield? Um, I think it's a little bit unseemly that you don't miss any opportunity to plug the fact you've got a book to plug up. Do you know what I mean? Don't think that people well, don't know actually well, what you're doing. It's like the Quick Book Reviews podcast that I'm plugging. Just whilst we're on old stuff, right, um, do you remember the last time you were on, you took great delight in trashing uh, Turkish delight? Do you remember this? Here we go. Yes. And I've been proved right. wrong, um, haven't I? We've, we did not one but two polls. And one of the polls was run on the Flick app. So big up to the Flick app. Parsi. Right. Uh, now, uh, the question was, Turkish delight, yum <laughs> or taste like bum? Right. <laughs> now, uh, yummy goodness won by 56% over taste like soap which is exactly the descriptor that you gave, the lovely <laughs> bit of chocolatey confectionery uh, known as Turkish Delight. 
Yes, you see, I wanted to go on to the Twitters and Facebook and say, people, you need to help me out here. You need to get onto the Flick app and, and vote. But I thought, no, let, let you have your moment being right. And that's fine. So on that note, <laughs> I think let's draw a veil over your ridiculous accusations that uh, <laughs> Turkish delight tastes like soap. And let's have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge 3962. First time caller, I believe he's up in the north east. It's Jonah. Hello, my name's Jonah. I'm Jonah Man Jazz on Twitter and various other platforms. Live in Newcastle upon Tyne. As you can tell from my voice, I'm not a native of the area. Currently unemployed, having been made redundant from an IT job a while ago. Using my enforced layoff to get my programming skills a bit more up to date with some training my archers vintage well i was brought up in an archers listening household as you might say the voice of nelson gabriel totally reminds me of a roast sunday dinner but i think the first new character i can distinctively remember arriving was probably cameron fraser i'm hoping that i've run through all the gears of what you need to know for a first time caller in her. At the moment in the Archers, I'm enjoying, if that's the right word, the Chris and Alice storyline. It's got quite a few echoes of a, a few of my experiences. Not exactly that, but, but I can totally appreciate what they're going through as a couple. The slavery storyline, I was kind of enjoying it. I think it seems to be going through a few more twists and turns and I think a few of the loose ends in the storyline are starting to not quite add up for me so I'm hoping that they can bring it to a suitably dramatic conclusion fairly soon and I think that's it for this week I'm gonna try and call in regularly from now on well, welcome, Jonah. His pedigree is Cameron Fraser. Wow. Um, and the Chris and Alice storyline uh, is ringing true for him. And the slavery story, well, Jonah was enjoying it, but the loose end's not adding up. Well, first of all, welcome, Jonah. You sound far too young to be a Cameron Fraser, um, but but never mind. And the loose end's not adding up. Which, you know, I am so caught up in shouting at the radio, it hadn't even occurred to me that there were some loose ends but Victoria sounds absolutely frightful so maybe she'll be a loose end who, who knows Royfield what do you think uh what, what am I thinking about what sorry what do you think about the loose ends not adding up and also Jonah sounding far too young to be a Cameron Fraser well that's what I thought you were you were going for actually and it's something which I've remarked on uh, many a time on this podcast is that the larynx the voice box doesn't necessarily age uh, at the same rate as the outside of us. So you get actors who can be much older than the characters actually that they're playing uh, because you don't have that visual signifier as to how old they actually look. Mm. Uh, What was was the other thing you said, sorry? He was saying about how with the slavery story that he's been enjoying it, but the loose ends aren't quite adding up. I think we just have to suspend a certain level of critical faculties on this. I'm just a tiny bit wearisome about it because obviously what they are 
taken us to is for the 70th anniversary mm. of the archers on mm. january the 1st so mm. whether this storyline all breaks loose and all hell kicks off on the 31st and then when did nigel actually fall off the roof on january the 1st i believe it was and I, didn't we have the sort of the helen giving birth and the nigel on the roof and we didn't know what was going to happen and that was on the first that's what my memories could because, be wrong. And then also there's the the hunt ball, isn't there? Which is on New Year's Eve or something or another. So there's the time when Adam kissed Charlie. And I believe that was on the 31st. Cosmo's probably shaking his head in disgust now. Uh, but then he had the four, he dealt with the fallout on the first. But anyway, whatevs. We know that the Archie is going to be 70 years old on January the 1st. And mm. on that note... Um, we have um, Ian Pepperell, who plays Roy Tucker, has made us of a very, very super kind and wonderful donation of an Archer's script for the 70th episode. And he would like us to raffle it or auction it or something for a charity. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to be bigging this up and flagging this up up until... Uh, January the 1st and it's going to be signed as well so you get the original proper script from the Archers 70th episode it's going to be signed by Archers actors and what we are going to do is and I have put this out on the Flick app and also on the Facebook mm. and we're going to I'm going to do a Just Givings page and it's going to be a, a, an anti-slavery charity uh, who are going to get the moolah going to get our donations so all the more reason, folks, for you to listen to Dumpty Dum in the next few weeks because we do have lots of special shows and stuff. Um, I, I heard a, an intake of breath. Yes, I have a question. You see, this thought just struck me. Mm. Roy Tucker has a copy of the script for the 1st of January. Yes, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yes. So is it Roy to the rescue? This is what I'm wondering. Can I read out what they say about the first? I'm not giving anything away, but the BBC, the sentence they say about the, the episode on the first, Ambridge faces a life-changing crisis and one resident makes a special announcement. <gasps> Could Roy be involved? If, if he's got a copy of the script, surely he's involved. Um, life-changing announcement. Right. Um, life-changing uh, crisis. Ambridge faces a life-changing life crisis, and one resident Sorry. makes a special announcement. And you know what that is? It's because so many bits of the village have been implicated in the sweat of the slaves. Whether yeah. it is the church steeple, yes. it's yeah. playground, uh, Great Gables, etc. That's mm. what that is. And everybody realizes that it, you know, unknowingly, they've had a part in all of this. Yeah, so is the special announcement part of that or is it separate? Because Gavin isn't a resident, so it couldn't be him. I know I'm overthinking this, but he w couldn't make a special announcement. So, mm. so who is it? Whilst you ponder on that, you know what I'm going to ponder on? What? What was, what was Jonah's name? Because do you remember that hit mid-80s band, Johnny Hates Jazz? Yes. Are we thinking there's a link? No, I'm just saying it's just playing off that, isn't it? Jonah, man, jazz. Johnny hates jazz. It, it kind of scans, doesn't it? So he's not just come at that without knowing and being a fan of, or at least aware of, that smash 80s band, Johnny Hates Jazz. 
But we've got we've got Jonah who's into jazz. We've got Melissa who's into jazz. I see a whole jazz thing going on here. Hey, you always really strike me as someone who's a little bit excitable, Philippa. <laughs> Full disclosure, listeners, off mic uh, from one uh, dumpy dum to another. Uh, Philippa is properly jolly hockey sticks. <laughs> as I woke up out of my Canadian bed this morning, and he's like, "Hello, only." Five hours ago to dum de dum. I had to say, will you just calm down? <laughs> I imagine you attacking everything that you do in the day with jazz hands. I really do. <laughs> well, I was. I think I was the first person to sing you happy birthday on your birthday. I think it was like one minute past midnight, and I'm sure that was a, a very jolly moment for you as well. It's the type of thing that somebody like you would actually be watching the clock and counting down to do, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? <laughs> Philippa, I, I, lo- I, I love you dearly, but you, you are sometimes, there's a lot of Philippa to all to take in. But anyway, on that note, on that note, we're about to be scalded. Oh. Not you in particular, but Dumpty Dum in general by Helen from Rotherham. Hello, Dumpty Dumland. It's Helen from Rotherham here. Um, I'd just like to start by pointing out that it is Helen from Rotherham and not Hannah. Usually I don't mind if people get my name mixed up, but on a podcast about the Archers, if I have to share my name um, with a character that not many people like, I'd rather it be Helen than Hannah, please. Um, (laughs) um, Last week on Dumpty Dum, you talked about how every listener seems to have an expertise and how it's so good to hear them um, speak about their expertise in relation to the Archers. Um, but unfortunately, my expertise has no place in a podcast about the Archers, apparently, because I work in a special needs school. And apparently, Ambridge is a place void of anybody with additional needs, which I think is not only untrue to life, but a massive shame. I really, really, really feel saddened that Bethany is not, they're not part of Ambridge anymore. I think that Ambridge would be enriched by the Bethany's of this world. And so I really do hope that the writers write in some character with additional needs, whether it be Alice's baby or whether it be somebody else or whether Bethany comes back um, to live with Roy or something. I don't know, but I would just love it. I just think that it's such a shame. Um, Anyway, on this week in the Archers, oh my goodness me, I'm sure everybody said this, but Kirsty, what a shocker of an episode that was. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time listening to it just wishing Gavin would say something and I'm still holding out that he might say something though obviously it's going to be very messy with them the fact that they're now officially married but fingers crossed fingers crossed she doesn't end up staying with him and moving to Wales please I really like Kirsty. I know she's got no reason to stay in Ambridge but I really hope she does anyway have a great week bye Oh, gosh. So, yes, her name is Helen, not Hannah. Whoops. Um, mm. And she works in a special needs school. So bring and um, would like to see Bethany back. Absolutely. And uh, Kirsty was hard to listen to. And she hopes uh, Gavin speaks up. Well, I think we know why Bethany was written out originally because of the editor. But uh, yes, Helen's right. The editors changed. So why can't they come back? Just because there was a reason they left. I they, they could come back if the team wanted them to. Um, and I think it's fair to say Twitter has been all over the phrase annulment this week in terms of could it be done? Could the marriage be annulled? Um, that we don't know exactly what happened. Well, we can only hope. I think we've all got so frustrated wanting the resolution and knowing that it, it's not going to come just yet. So, uh, yeah, I completely agree, Helen. But sorry, 
Waffle Dog. Boyfield, what do you think? Uh, about annulment? Yes. Do you think? What, what are, it, I hope so. Uh, what are the rules? What are the UK rules on annulled marriages? Um, I'm summarising without any attention to any detail whatsoever, um, but I believe it was along the lines of the marriage can be annulled if it hasn't been uh, sanctified in the boudoir post-marriage ceremony. Is that all? I thought you could get an annulment after a certain amount of days. Got no idea. I would just have to make it up completely now, which I could do, but I don't think that would be very helpful. Why don't you do some quick Googling whilst I do some quick filling? Right? Okay. And uh, just, just type in uh, annulment uh, UK, blah, blah, blah. And then I will talk about, um, what will I talk about? Helen from Rotherham, uh, whose name is not Hannah. One of the wonderful things about uh, presiding over Dumpty Dum is that there are Dumpty Dummers all over the world. We have Helen from Rotherham in this episode. He'll be followed from Cheryl from Cornwall. Okay. Next to Cheryl, go. Okay, so basically uh, a marriage in the UK is voidable. You can annul a marriage for a number of reasons so that it was mm. not consummated, so that there hasn't been bed bedroom activity post-marriage. Um, you that... can consummate a marriage outside of the bedroom. So traditional and old-fashioned. There's nothing They could have gone down the woods. They could have done it oh. in the back seat of the car. They could have gone to the bird hut where the marriage was first proposed. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> There you go. Right, moving on, moving on. Um, or you did not properly consent to the marriage. Mm, well, so no, she did. You were forced into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if one or both of you were under 16, uh, oh, you're yeah, closely related to the person you married. One of you was already married. I mean, my understanding is Philip was divorced. Mm, he's long divorced. Former mm. Mrs. Moss. So. Oh, apparently, if the other person had an STD when you got married, mm. or your spouse was pregnant by someone else when you got married, or one spouse is in the process of transitioning to a different gender, that would all make all of those options would make the storyline quite interesting. But I don't think they would apply, <laughs> unfortunately. So there isn't a you can annul it in thirty days type clause there. Well, I suppose it depends how long the non consummation carried on for not sure about that one but it doesn't say on the uk you according to the uk government there is no uh, specific mention Good. of time frames the pervasiveness of american culture and american legalese is pretty big in british culture because of all the you know cop shows and dramas and films so can you do me a favor can you just type in annulment and then again there's 50 states in the us they're all going to have different rules let's just go to new york just for the sake Oh, yeah, no. first of all, Let's go on Nevada. Time, Nevada. On hmm? time frames, it looks like once you're past a year, you can't annul anyway. So that's so there is um, a time okay. aspect. There is a time aspect. Oh, you mean but with anything? Like, so even if you're marrying yeah. your sister, yeah. If you don't exactly. annul annul it in the first year, then you are married to your sister. <laughs> do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Type in, uh, you know, annulment of marriage, Nevada, because there's Las Vegas over there. And people forever getting drunk and going to a casino and getting mad in the Elvis chapel and then regretting it afterwards. Britney Spears yeah. did exactly that, didn't she? Right. So I will feel, I will feel whilst you uh, type in annulment 
marriage and Nevada. Ah. So one one of the things which is given. Oh, that was quick. Yeah, that is. This is interesting. So grounds for annulment in Nevada: lack of consent mm-hmm. of a parent or guardian, lack of understanding mm-hmm. or insanity by you or your spouse. Mm-hmm. Well, that would apply definitely. Um, fraud or lies by you or your spouse that induce mm-hmm. the other to marry. Well, you you could try and argue that one. The marriage was mm. illegal because you're too closely related or one of you mm. is already married. So we've got the insanity or the fraud options. I don't think Phil's insane, though, is he? No, I was talking about Kirsty at the moment, temporary insanity. <laughs> so, again, there is no, like, 30 days or 15 days and you can annul. Uh, you have to have lived in Nevada for at least six weeks prior to filing. So maybe Kirsty could just fly out there. Um it doesn't say immediately, but it's offered me to a discussion with the lawyer immediately online. And I... no, 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 why don't you do that? I'll do the rest of the show by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and you just report back after social media roundup. How's that sound? I might be divorced by the end of that. I don't want that. Sorry. What's <laughs> <not> going on? <laughs> right. Okay. So. Back to the caller in We've had Helen from Rotherham who has uh, told us in no uncertain terms that her name is Helen, not Hannah. Mm. Now it's Cheryl. She's from Cornwall. Hi, Royfield, Kerry, Peter and all the dumpty dummers. It's Cheryl here calling from Cornwall. Just reflecting on another week in Ambridge where everyone failed to listen to each other or indeed themselves. So Alice failed to listen to Chris, who was both saying and showing that he's still struggling to come to terms with the news of her alcoholism and that he's really scared about both her and the baby's health. Chris, however, did listen to all his wife's lies and the scales do appear to be falling from his eyes now about the extent of her duplicity. Kirsty failed to listen to herself when she confided in Jill about her doubts about leaving Ambridge. Peggy heard Alice lying. She realised she was lying. And she appeared to call her out on her drinking issues, but then inexplicably did not join up the dots. In the pub, she told Lillian that she drinks too much, but Lillian didn't want to hear this. Despite acknowledging the problems of her father's drinking issues, Lillian came to the conclusion that what her mother is getting at must be that Alice is having an affair. Because Lillian can admit to having affairs, but she can't admit to the fact she drinks too much. Then Helen told Gavin about her coercive control but for some reason then concluded that Philip is a good man. Gavin, who knows all all about Philip and and how he isn't a good man, appeared to be listening to what Helen said, but said nothing, leaving Kirsty now tied to whatever it is her husband has been up to. I can only hope that as we run up to Christmas that this story will will resolve itself, because I found Thursday's listening just unbearably sickening. Well, yeah, Cheryl, thanks so much for that. I absolutely agree. So Cheryl was saying that this week people were not listening or not hearing. And um, with Kirsty, the episode on Thursday was just so sickening to listen to. And uh, she'll be tied to what her husband does. And I I think Cheryl's absolutely right, because I started looking into it. You know, what legal obligations might Kirsty have once she's married, lawfully and financially? Because often when you read about other slave traders who've been arrested, uh, modern day slave traders, I should say, that their spouses are arrested with them. So I, I don't know where it's where it's going to end. But yeah, I, I agree with Cheryl. And Peggy seemed to be 
very busy doing a Miss Marple impression, which was uh, interesting to hear. But Royfield, tell me, what did you think? Uh, what, what, what am I supposed to have an opinion on now? I was Googling uh, various different states in America and annulment. You know, catch me up on, on Cheryl. Uh, so, what are the key takeaways? Hot takes, hot takes. So, the hot takes were that Cheryl mm. was saying that people aren't listening or not hearing, not. but that Thursday mm. was very apt, difficult. Very to apt, to. very apt for me and at the end of Cheryl's call. Cheryl yes. and I were just um, discussing, well, I was discussing with Cheryl, even though Cheryl's not there to discuss it back with me, that I think she's absolutely <laughs> right. That, uh, you know, what are Kirsty's obligations going to be once she's married? Because I was saying, you know, when um, you hear or read of modern day slave traders being arrested, it's often their spouse that gets arrested with them. So, you know, Kirsty really could be getting involved much more than even we could imagine. Mm. Well, there's going to be utterly no evidence if and when they are arrested that Kirsty's got anything to do with this. And when that laptop is found, you know, her yeah. digital fingerprints are not going to be over the enterprise at all. And Gavin's, as well as his father, is going to be deep in them. Just whilst it's on my brain, there was a most excellent thread on the Twitters this week. And um, a listener, caller in who's very close to my heart, um, is Ambridge Pony Club. And um, there's many people saying that, isn't it wonderful that Gavin is coming round to the fact that um, he's, you know, he's, the scales are being lifted from his eyes, so to speak, with his father's bullying, coercive control and utter uh, criminality when it comes to slavery. And and uh, Ambridge Pony Club says that, you know, fundamentally, uh, she agrees with me. Gavin is still a slaver. Right. You can't be just a little bit of a slaver. Right. You know, mm -hmm. this is a, a crime which is so beyond the pale. You know, this isn't like, you know, you worked in a company and you've taken a, taken a couple of staples, put them in your bag and take them home. And people go, well, you know, that's half a perk of working in an office. Technically speaking, that that's theft. But no one uh, would say that it, it borders on criminality. You can't be a little bit of a slaver. It's, it, dare I say it? For me, it's it's akin it's akin to rape. You can't be a little bit of a rapist. I I anyway, completely just agree to, with that. But just, there is the issue of manipulation. When do we have majority in British legal law? Isn't it fourteen that after the age of fourteen you are you know what is right and wrong? Now. Yeah. You could argue, one second, I feel quite strongly about this. Okay. You could argue up until the age of 18 that you can be coerced by, uh, you know, a parent very easily. Okay. You could even argue it goes on a few years after that. But we know, remember how Gavin came into the whole drama mm -hmm. by saying, I want 30 grand for my wedding. You've got the money. So he knew mm. how his father had got his ill-gotten gains, completely complicit in all of it. It's just that now, in the fullness of time, that it's commendable. I'm not, it's not commendable. He's no. being a human being. Enslavement tramples on so many fundamental human rights. Um, you know, there's, he's imprisoning them. He's denying them economic freedom, let alone their own liberty to go and do whatever they want to do. Right. And then, you know, what? I, I, I just stop. I do not understand how any 
sentient, rational, warm-blooded human can say that Gavin is not complicit wholly in this and that he doesn't deserve the full weight of the law thrown at him. And the very fact that he picked up Alice off the ground and took Mm. it to A&E doesn't get around that fact. And the fact that we know as listeners that he's questioning his relationship with his father. But as I said, he's not 14, 15, he's not eight, he's not seven. The age that he is, which is 30 plus, he has his own moral compass by now. Fully formed, he knows what's right and what's wrong. I think the conversation with Helen this week was very interesting because I think it revealed to Gavin Moore that he he has been manipulated, but it doesn't take away the fact that he needs to go to prison. It's called slavery for a reason. I mean, it's abhorrent. So I'm not trying to say that he he should be able to get away with it, not at all, but I just think it's interesting to see how his conscience is finally thawing and he's able to see what's really going on. But uh, quite, as you say, he's, it's enough of him uh, falsely imprisoning others. It's time uh, it was applied mm. to him. So whilst I think that thread that I was referring to, I think, um, is a great one. But ultimately, he's up to his neck in it as deep as his father. I yep. do think yep. you have to applaud the script writers in the fact that, not that this is morally ambiguous, but they're allowing us, the listener, at least some listeners, to empathise with the slow evolution of Gavin's moral compass here, for him to realise how wrong this actually is, mm. and that he's starting to sympathise, empathise with, with Blake and with Kenzie, etc. That's brilliant, because in the moment, you go, I'm rooting for you, Gav. Come on, Gav, do the right thing. And Gav, you're not so bad. Forgetting the whole wider picture, the whole wider canvas is the reason why Gavin was even placed on in Ambridge. Do you think partly it's to do with the fact that we're not hearing much of Blake? Uh, You know, when we heard the the Rob Helen story, we were experiencing it through Helen and that made it even worse and Rob even more of an enemy. Whereas, yes, we hear a little bit of Blake, but it's really... Gavin and Philip. So Philip naturally becomes more of the enemy, but it doesn't detract from how in the wrong Gavin fundamentally is. Mm. Well, Peter and I did have a little bit of a ruck about this um, a month ago or so, didn't we? And I said that Mm. you don't need to hear the voices of the enslaved to empathise with them. You don't need to hear the voices of the enslaved to realise how barbaric an institution it actually is. Anyway, moving on from that, thank you, Cheryl from Cornwall. Um, uh, we're going to go from Glyn, and I think Glyn is out and about. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. I'm on location, but I've only gone as far as the village green because I'm not going any further than the post box today because the weather is appalling. And the only other time I'd get to ring in would be tomorrow. I'm going to get a walk in because I've got to give evidence to the House of Lords. But enough of that, the archers. Chris and Alice and Phil, Philip and Kirsty getting married and the horses. I think both stories were being set up for a big revelation on on New Year's Eve. And like the Brexit negotiations, the stories will drag on till that date and we'll finally get a resolution. 
Um, the other main point, obviously, this week was uh, Phil and Kirsty getting married. Five million archers, listeners shouting at the radio in astonishment that Cyril, his middle name's Cyril, don't do it, Kirsty. Anyway, I'm getting wet, so I am going to go home and I am going to uh, wish everybody in Dumpty Dumland a very good week and hope you're all having great preparations for the festive season and say thank you for the podcast and I will put some photographs of a wet village green on Facebook and speak to you soon. Bye. Wow. So yes, Glyn's on location and uh, he's going to be busy giving evidence to the House of Lords. Um, he's hoping for a resolution New Year's Eve. Did you hear that? Did you hear that the way he just like so casually <laughs> just like threw that in. <laughs> Mr. Humblebrag. Isn't he very high <laughs> up in the tax world? <laughs> very, mm. very. Maybe he could advise Kirsty on her tax obligations once uh, once this all comes to a head. Anyway, yes, I love Glyn's photos on Facebook of the location where he, he's done his bit for Dum De Dum. I think, think those are always great. Um, and the fact that, yes, there was uproar about Philip's middle name being Cyril. But do you realise that means Philip's name is P.C. Moss? Is he undercover for MI5? I hope not, but there we go. <laughs> what did you think? Uh, what, of Glyn's hum- humble brag? And, uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. Listen, you've attained much in your professional life, sir. So that, uh, it's just pure jealousy on, on my part. Maybe there's a, a Commons or a Lord Select Committee on podcasting uh, that need me to, you know, give evidence or, you know, bear witness or give testimony or whatever. You know what? And if there isn't, there should be. They have a session on calling people jolly hockey sticks, then uh, you could... Uh... <laughs> but come on, Philippa. Philippa, come on. Cat fits. But one of the, one of the lovely things discovered about you was uh, that in your teenage years, you were part of a rap collective on the mean streets of uh, Shrewsbury. <laughs> yes, we all have our moments. Look, I always wanted to be an opera singer, but instead, no, I was so cool. How long was your rap collective together for? Oh, my goodness. It was a long time. It was about six months, something like that. It was, it was <laughs> long term. Were you together long enough to have that difficult second album? <laughs> you, you probably played our records you know Royfield we were that really? good uh, yeah. when I was down at the Red Electric in Winchester uh, number one what was the name of your rap group we were the combination crew and we were talking to you because we know what the world should do there we go wow wow <laughs> was that your best line <laughs> the worst bit this is really embarrassing now the worst bit is mm. my own individual name was BSP which stood for Brill Skill Phil um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> no it's fine I, I realise it's not quite you know, <laughs> not, not quite the full well, uh, R&B game can you dig out one of your uh, cassette tapes and digitise one of your tracks <laughs> nothing would give me greater pleasure than to end a dum dum with uh, <laughs> the track from the combination crew right from Glyn who's about to go before the Lords and give evidence. It's Drew, and he's in Tokyo. Hello to everyone at Dumpty Dum Towers. This is Drew calling from the Dumpty Dum Tokyo branch office. I'm calling in 
for the first time in a while, actually. And uh, in fact, I've never called in before the end of the week. But I'm calling after uh, listening to Tuesday's show, uh, which is Wednesday's show for me. At the end of that show, something really stuck with me. And it, it's bothered me enough even 12 hours later that I, I thought I'd call in and talk about it. And it's that Alice finished a show by saying something like, don't worry, Chris, I'm going to get through this. And he said, no, all three of us will get through this together. You know, talking, of course, about Alice, Chris, and the new baby. And it bothered me because I'm sure it was supposed to be an emotional moment. But I kind of read that as placing a burden for a responsibility for Alice's sobriety onto this, you know, as yet unborn infant who, who should be depending on them and not the other way around. You know, I'm sure that's not what the writers intended, but it kind of stuck in my craw. And so I figured that I'd call in and get that off my chest. And I'm just wondering what everybody else has to say about that. All right. Thanks a lot. Love the show. Speak soon. Bye. Oh, Drew. Yeah. So Drew was saying that Tuesday's episode ended with Chris talking about Alice and saying, oh, the three of us will beat it. Fabulous to hear from the king of the flick app, I would say. Seriously, the pressure that they will be okay, that they're putting on Chris and and the unborn baby. I just think it's awful. The whole few episodes of Alice coming out of rehab and how awful she was. Uh, with Chris. Uh, she's so manipulative. The whole thing made me feel very uncomfortable indeed. And and in a way, I want a, a reckoning of, of Alice as well as Philip. So yeah, I completely ag- agree with Drew. But Royfield, what was your view? I thought that the mention of the unborn baby was just kind of symbolic, just to say that there's three of them, they are a family. I didn't see it in quite the same way that, that Drew did at all. But but there's no two ways about it, is that whatever Alice is doing, and we, we understand this is an illness, mm. I just saw this as the father who feels powerless anyway during a pregnancy. In a normal pe- pregnancy, the father is connected but also disconnected because he doesn't have this new life grown within him. He doesn't feel it kick you know he doesn't have those uh, those feelings of morning sickness you know it's much more of an abstract thing being a father yes you can see your partner's stomach grow you can put your hand on her tummy when she says the baby's kicking but it's much more abstract that this is a way for him to connect and also to remind Alice that they are that there is now three of them and I didn't see it as undue pressure in that way I saw it as much more kind of symbolic uh, really um, but I could be wrong and, and as we said uh, in answering the last call this is uh, one of the great things about good writing is that different people can take different things mm. from it and different inferences and sometimes they're meant and sometimes they're not. I was concerned that there seemed to be no help for Chris because usually I mean I don't have a lot of experience of people going to rehab but in the little bit I do when someone's gone into rehab there is then help counselling work with the close family members um, to help that transition back yet Alice just seems to have had two weeks in rehab and comes out and poor Chris doesn't know anything and when he spoke to the the midwife sort of in desperation 
she was saying, well, you know, of course, some some people, are, some, some women um, managed to stay teetotal for the pregnancy uh, and others can't. So she wasn't saying, well, you know, Alice's could potentially be cured of, of being an alcoholic, but she was just being quite clear and Chris didn't even pick up on that um, and I just feel he's floundering and and yes the responsibility of being a dad and, and being at arm's length as you say you know he's not directly experiencing the physical changes that Alice is yet he's got he can see her going through it but it also mentally he he's really on his own and I'm just surprised that there isn't any counselling support or inclusion for him as part of the rehab experience. Well, I got a note, this was actually last week, and from a listener who said, Royville, could you do a little anonymous public service announcement on Dum De Dum? And this is unattributed, so it meets the principles of anonymity. It was great to hear Chris open up to Harrison this week, and Harrison was a perfect listener and very reassuring. But living with an alcoholic and the fallout from the behaviour can be very isolating. Chris and anyone else who lives or has lived with alcoholism could benefit from Al-Anon. Maybe mm. Alice's rehab clinic will suggest it. Most Al-Anon groups have kept going over lockdown by switching to online meetings. And in my experience, it's a safe and supportive space where people who have similar experiences can really understand. Thanks. So there is a little bit of a, a shout out for Alanon and goes somewhat to, to answer your point, because I think we're all empathising with Chris, aren't we, in this, that um, he was somewhat late to the part in terms of realising um, that his wife had a problem, but now just feels utterly powerless. And again, it, it, it has been utterly gut-wrenching hearing his paranoia with, with everything that Alice does now and how the scriptwriters have put us very much in the viewpoint of Chris because this story about her being in Bath and then this person who she's kind of connected with didn't quite make sense. We were Chris, weren't we? Little bits of the story didn't quite add up. It could well be that it was all incredibly above board and kosher, but, you know, we have Chris Carter's paranoia now. And, and I didn't even feel that it was paranoia. I just thought he was being careful and just trying to make sure everything was okay because Alice didn't tell him what happened during those two weeks. There's, there's not been that discussion. So mm. again, it's being isolated. You use that word so well. And that's what, what we see here. Poor Chris. Poor Chris. Well, at least Alice is trying to paint it out that, uh, paint it so that, you know, she said that Chris, you know, you are being paranoid. Um, but yes, you're, you're completely right. Chris isn't to know. And it wasn't as if she was furnishing with a whole load of details about, you know, what the place was like, all the people that she was with, also on the course, etc, etc. She was as blank on detail with that as she was with Peggy talking about Bath. And Peggy realised that this is not all adding up. The thing to take away from this, folks, is if, if you are struggling with somebody who is an alcoholic, and yes, hopefully they're getting help. There is also help for you as well. And it's in Al-Anon. It's a lovely message to get from a dum-de-dummer to remind us of that great organisation and that there is support for everybody who's affected by alcoholism, whether you're actually the person who is drinking has got that terrible illness or whether you're, you are the, the loved one of somebody or you're caring for somebody who has also got that affliction as well. 
So thank you for that anonymous. That was Drew over there in Tokyo. Uh, now let's go stateside and it's Cranky Yankee. Hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is the Cranky Yankee once again calling from the suburbs of New York. Gosh, I have to hand it to you people. You are doing a fabulous job predicting everything and you are entertaining as ever to listen to. I want to shout out that I was so thrilled to hear Jim back again last week. I'm adjusting to the four days a week, but it does give me issues. So I've started knitting a Zoom on Fridays. I want to say how Alice is showing her true colors. And just as you predicted, I think her marriage is going to disintegrate. And I think that was predicted on this program. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Oh, super cranky. Yes, good to see Jim again and the other characters. And Alice is showing her true colours and um, her marriage could disintegrate. Yes, absolutely. I I think it's great to hear some of the other characters, Jim, Peggy, Jill, whatever we think of them. It's nice to have um, a, a bigger cast back, which is lovely. And yeah, Alice has made me so cross how awful she's been to Chris. But my question to you, Royfield, the mm-hmm. bottles that Eddie found with his metal detector, were those mm. Alice's stash? There, there was something there, I thought. Yeah, oh, well, it, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Well, that all sounds incredibly plausible to me. Thank you for that, Cranky Yankee. And I must admit, I always think that your name is somewhat of a misnomer. You never sound cranky to me. You sound like a Yankee, but not particularly cranky. Uh, now, it's Jenny from Southampton. And I must admit, do you want to know a little secret? Oh, go on. Jenny and I have a little bit of beef. She's got, she's got her knickers in a twist about this Southampton thing and its lack of a cultural footprint, which yeah, I just think each week when people try and say, oh, no, 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 there's all these important things which have happened in Southampton. Like, But does anybody know? You have to go and Google it. That's the whole uh, point. I was shouting right. out at the time, great museums, great museums in Southampton. So you're saying the average Brit, when they think of Southampton, they think great museums. I thought museums and cruises. Uh, those are the two that came to my mind, which shows how old-fashioned I am. Mm. Well, well, here's my point. Here's my little bit of truth. I quite like Jenny from Southampton. There's something about her I like, oh. even though we've got beef. <laughs> so you bring it on, Jenny. You bring it on. Hello, Dumpty Dummers, Royfield, and whomsoever happens to be co-hosting this week. If it's Kerry and Peter, hurrah! Everyone always does a grand job, but I have developed something of a soft spot for that particular duo. Anyway, it's Jenny from the place that brought you Benny Hill, world champion Chris Packham, Emily Davies, and on a festive note, Isaac Watts, who wrote Joy to the World. You're welcome, lovely Royfield. (laughs) My goodness, the Archers reached peak 2020 this week, didn't it? With Kirsty and Philip rushing to the altar. I'm predicting some sort of Christmas lights related fiasco in the build up to Christmas. Perhaps not the Bill Sykes style ending to Philip whilst putting up his Christmas lights that Sally Ronaldson suggested on Twitter, although I love that idea. But I'm hoping last year's groundwork on his character was leading to something poetic. Is this the last Dumpty Dum before Christmas? If it is, have a wonderful break, lovely Dumpty Dum team. I've really loved listening to the podcast during this most strange and stressful of years. Sending you all a big virtual Christmas hug. 
Jenny's got a soft spot for Kerry and Peter, so apologies. I've I've let everyone down. It's it's me and Royfield this week, Jenny. I'm I'm sorry, but they'll be here next week. Um, hoping for a poetic end for Philip. And there's this special that we've already mentioned on on the first of January. So hopefully something will happen there. C- could that be Philip getting his comeuppance? Will we hear Kirsty cook a tuna bake? that day will that be the warning um and is this the last dum-de-dum before christmas i don't believe it is mr royfield is it oh no no it's probably going to do friday yeah for a zoom and then there is next week monday what day is it next week monday next week monday is the 21st isn't it i'm pretty sure well, yes there you go so we're going to have next week monday and then even on Christmas Day, you're going to get a recording. <gasps> you know, on Christmas Day, you've got the Academic Archers and Witherspoon doing a special Christmas Day at Dum Dee Dum. So, yeah, we've got, got loads more. Dum-de-dum. Fantastic. But what else uh, do we have to address with uh, the lovely Jenny from Southampton's call? Yes. Yeah, so Jenny was just talking about the will there be a poetic end uh, for Philip? And I was saying about how, yes, I wonder if Kirsty's going to cook a tuna bake to send him mm. on his way to signal to us that the end is nigh that would be quite funny mm. i'm going to jump all right because next i was actually going to do fiona but i'm going to do andrew because andrew talks about philip in his call and thinks apropos to put andrew horn now Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here. A couple of thoughts that are really um, not so much with this week, more the previous week, but I didn't get my call in in time. This is really a question for Weatherspoon, so maybe we'll find out the answer next week. I'm wondering about Philip and his Christmas sort of fetish, as in it has to cover everything with lights, up on the roof, reindeers, the whole lot that they made so much of last year. I wonder if it goes back to his childhood maybe and maybe something there where Christmas wasn't celebrated or he had a particularly tough childhood or maybe he wasn't treated well himself and maybe that's fed into the sort of man he's become it doesn't excuse the uh, slave behavior but maybe it's a, a pointer or maybe I'm just reading too much into it and the other point was around Helen buying their house if we take it away from Helen and think of it from a bridge farm point of view, it does make sense. Tom at one stage was going to build a house on bridge farm land for him and I think Brenda at the time. And so they would have somewhere to live. Now, if Helen moves out, then ultimately Tom and Nokasha can move into bridge farm as part of the succession plan. So it does make sense and if you sort of wrap it up against the farm and take it as a business loan from a mortgage it's not a personal mortgage so it doesn't matter what so much she's earning it's against the assets of the farm you know it could be made to work just done in a bit of a cat-handed way so that's my main point but i do have one other observation the village hall door was shut at the end of the rehearsal this week with someone leaving And the sound they used, the sound effect, was the Brookfield door. And how do I know that? Because of the tour that we did on one of the Dumpty Dum meetups. And the Brookfield door, of all the doors they've got in the studio, the little test doors, there's one that has a particular rattle to it. And the person showing us around said, this is the Brookfield door. 
And I suppose that's one of the perils when you sort of peek behind the fourth wall. Before, it would never have bothered me. But now, it does. Anyway, hope you all have a lovely Christmas and a safe Christmas. Bye. Wow, great call. So first of all, Andrew's um, wondering, and as he says, really a question for Witherspoon, who's the professional here, about Philip's background and uh, whether it affects his Christmas frenzy. I suppose with Rob, we had a a picture of his family background and how it might have made him the man he is. But I don't want to hear anything more about Philip and his background. I just want to hear his comeuppance. But I'm sure Witherspoon's got something um, much more intelligent to say on that than me. Um, Helen uh, could move house taking a business loan. That is a good idea. But um, when Tony was talking about it, he was saying how they would give Helen uh, the deposit or help towards the deposit. So that struck me that it wouldn't be part of the business. Um, and and what uh, Tom and, and wife would say about that, what Nakasha would say about that, I, I don't know. I love this bit about uh, the village <laughs> village hall door. Um, and I'm going to award Andrew the badge of incredible dum-de-dum knowledge. There we go. Royfield? He went on that tour to, you know, to get, more ambridge knowledge mm. and then he's, he, now he can with that knowledge he can now call them out on their sloppiness their corner cutting you know they should have had a door for that said same door and not be doubling up doors with other doors it's outrageous well it, it's being dorist it is. it's being dorist and it... there are laws against it. <laughs> exactly exactly obviously the our childhood plays a, a massive part in it and i and i'm sure just as we are looking at gavin and how he's beginning to realize how uh traumatic his relationship was with his father growing up that if he were to sit down with philip i'm sure he would say that his father was this austere mm. you know distant disciplinarian and um and and i think it's an astute observation this whole uh you know christmas fetish thing and i can only presume that um we will have another manifestation of it this christmas mm. which in part will then lead to the downfall of the philip moss uh slavery empire and yet, can I just say, Kirsty tells us that she has already handed in her notice. Unless mm. she has the most incredible employment contract where she has to provide something like six or twelve months' notice, I don't understand why she's done that already. They haven't they haven't actually had any legal process of selling the house. They haven't tied everything up. What mm. why? Mm. Well, I think it's a scriptwriter's license, isn't it? No sensible okay. person would do that in real life. And Kirsty is sensible. Uh, she's not a, a flighty person. That, that's the type of manoeuvre that I would do, you know, and, I, and I, I, I'm a gadfly, you know. Kirsty is not, you know. So, yes, uh, scriptwriter's license, utter nonsense. Uh, but um, yeah, maybe the end of the storyline is nice. Yeah. Maybe she's got a touch of what Freddie described as the Russ virus. <laughs> maybe, it's <been> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Right, last caller in a row. It's Fiona. Hi, it's Fiona from Aberdeen here, a new caller in her. I've got a couple of plot predictions. One is for the sale of Evil Phil and Kind Kirsty's house. When it is sold under the proceeds of crime, Natasha will set her wee spendthrift heart on it. 
Tom will capitulate, thus exacerbating once again the life that Kirsty is not meant to have. On even, evil Phil and Gavin's workers, I wonder if given the work they've done on the church roof and the children's playground, if Ambridge, in the shape of Shula, Kirsty, Susan, etc., will try to support them. Just a couple of predictions there from the northeast of Scotland. Love the podcast. Thank you. Bye bye. Oh, Fiona, lovely to hear from you. Right. So, uh, the sale of the house. Um, could the proceeds um, be proceeds proceeds of crime, of course, and could uh, Nakasha and Tom sweep in and uh, swipe that from Helen? So that would upset Kirsty, upset Helen. Uh, that would uh, that would be interesting to to witness and the. Um, Poor slaves are working on church roof and the playground and everyone. So will some people, will Shula, will Shula stand up for them? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm lost for words. I really am. I, I just I just hope it's a good comeuppance and, and not a bad comeuppance. Royfield, help me out here. Um, I thought it was an excellent prediction. Mm. And it makes more sense than Helen trying to purchase the place though as as um as andrew horn said that could be done through some kind of business loan um so technically it's bridge farm that actually really has the mortgage oh you know but helen you know kind of treats it treats it as hers um but no i i, I love that it makes sense and there is a certain poetry to it because as andrew horn says in his court again Tom was going to build a place for him and Brenda on Bridge Farmland 10 plus years ago. So that'd be a wonderful kind of callback as mm. well. So, and you can imagine when everybody's aghast at um, the Philip Moss dealings and stuff that somebody, it's going to be somebody like No Cash that would kind of swoop in and say, Tom, we can get this for a song type of thing. Mm-hmm. Know, so I just think that that's just a, a brilliant um, call. Uh, Fiona. However, even though it was a brilliant call, Fiona, I'm going to drag you over the coals now. <laughs> call her in a rur, right? It's E-R-E-R. And you didn't tell us what your vintage was. You know, who was the first character that you remember coming into the docudrama? Who was it, Fiona? I couldn't hazard a guess. You know, you might turn around and say you, you're, a, you're a Philip Moss. Or you could turn around and say you're a Nelson Gabriel. I don't know. But we need all these details, to be honest. We have a full picture of you. We have a full picture of who's listening to the docudrama and also is a proper dum-de-dummer. But welcome. I believe you could be our first caller in who's identified themselves coming from the Granite City. Um, I believe the winters can be a little bit brutal up there in Aberdeen. But why don't you call in? again next week and tell us give us all the details which i'm telling you i need to know i don't know about you philip i'm just wondering though do you have a massive database where you collate all this information okay so you need this right fiona you got to fall back in now um this is the time in the show where i normally say uh any emails with an h and you'll go yeah uh but this time if i was to say that you would say no 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I'm going to pass on. We're going to um, have some social media goings on now. It's uh, with our Lillian, and uh, she's going to give us a proper roundup, head to toe, top to bottom, of socials in the last seven days. Good afternoon everybody, it's Lillian here from Middlesbrough calling with this week's social media media roundup. And what a week it's been in the arches again, drama, 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 all the way from the start to the finish. And what about scriptwriters, hey? Naughty, naughty scriptwriters, says Sue Griffin, leading us astray and letting Kirsty marry that awful man. Much dismay was felt across the groups about this, needless to say. Some people, though, hold out the hope that if they haven't signed the register, well, maybe it won't actually count. In other news, we had Peggy pulling to pieces Alice's alibi. And hopefully she will soon realise what the situation actually is with Alice. 
as obviously Jack was an alcoholic as well. So here's hoping that this happens and happens quite quickly. It was, however, noted that she was then off sinking gin and tonics with Lillian in the bowl. <laughs> Half her luck. I haven't been in a pub since the beginning of November. Anyway, enough of that. Well, what about the situation with Alice coming back from the detox clinic? Well, a lot of you didn't believe that she'd actually stayed at the detox clinic. Many of you thought that she had actually run away and gone to bath anyway. Well, I'm not so sure about that, but time will tell. Anyway, that's enough from me now, I think. I have bought myself a ticket to enjoy the John Rutter Celebrations of Christmas concert. And I'm going to go off and enjoy that now. I'm really looking forward to it. So that's all from me for this week. So all remains for me to do is tell everybody, keep safe, look after yourselves. Next week, hopefully you will hear from Elsa with the media, social media roundup. But in the meantime, keep safe, everybody. And all the very best for Christmas and the new year. Bye for now. Lillian, thank you for that, my dear. And that's your last social media roundup of 2020. Mm. Um, I'll be looking forward to hearing from you in 2021. I'm going to mix my metaphors. This is the bit where Pete Thickley normally takes the reins of the good ship, dum de dum How's that for mixing all my metaphors? But I'm going to hand the cudgels, hey, over to Philippa Hall. Well, I can't possibly hope to replicate the good work of Peter, but normally I just do one tweet of the week and you berated me last time that I didn't have three. So would you like one or three, Royfield? Let's split the difference. Let's have two. Top two. Oh, no, that's throwing me. Okay, top two. In second place is a bit buddish. Uh, did someone gift Kirsty a loyalty discount card for the Borsetshire Registry Office? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. And in first place, Rebecca Payton. Kirsty, she drives at 40 on a dual carriageway. Hashtag all you need to know. Why aren't you laughing? I was absolutely the same as Rebecca. Well, dual you, carriageway well, is you weren't laughing. Well, no, it's 60 on a dual carriageway. Dual carriageway. No, it's 60. 70 is the motorway. No, on a dual carriageway. I'm Googling this now. On a dual carriageway, providing separation. Oh, my goodness. UK dual carriageway max speed. 70 miles an hour. Thank you very much. Dual carriageway, 70 miles an hour. And it's all, I was always taught that providing there is a clear division between both sides, 70 miles an hour. So Kirsty was driving 30 miles an hour below the maximum speed limit. So how comes I got done for doing, what, what was I doing? 60, 63, 64 on a dual carriageway. Either it was there were roadworks and you had missed... Oh, no roadworks. 
Or it's a reason why I have your foot down. Divide, see, with my arm, I'm showing you a dividing thing, <laughs> which you can't see. So if there was a dividing thing in the middle of the road, literally dividing the traffic going one way to the other way, you're 70. Otherwise, it was 60. So that's that's probably why. Maybe they they were just picking on you. It was it was outrageous. You should uh, take them to court immediately. Why did I think this was 60 on a dual carriageway? I don't know. Oh, okay. The national speed limit is 70 miles an hour. You have motorway. just checked. Wait a minute, wait a minute. 70 miles an hour on dual carriageways, 60 miles an hour on a single carriageway, yeah. and generally... Yes, we're talking about dual carriageways. She specifically said, oh, gosh, she was talking about the speed of it affecting her makeup application. I'm going at 40 <laughs> on the dual carriageway. It's like, think about all the poor suckers behind you who are stuck at you going 40 miles an hour. No. Maybe, maybe Kirsty is so badly sighted that that's why she's driving at 40 miles an hour and she can't see the real Philip. No, that's not true. No, that's the wrong thing to say. Gosh. You know what? Doing dum de dum is always a learning experience because I did not know that was the law in the UK. I got it wrong by 10 miles an hour. I really did. So how did you get a speeding ticket for 63 on a dual carriageway? Maybe it was a single carriageway. Ah. All I know, all I know is in, in my mind's eye, it was a dual carriageway. But that's not to say that maybe there was a, some speed enforcement limit there on, on that dual carriageway. Which is exactly what I said. But I love the fact that even though I checked. Oh, whatever. I'm moving You on. didn't believe dum -de -dum com. Let's go there. Let's go. All right. I just like, I just said, it's a, I've had a teachable moment, as our American cousins would say. And you'll be laboring the point now. Really unbecoming. Very unbecoming. Just because you got it take wrong. Victory, take your victory. Take your victory and be gracious. <laughs> Thank you. I'm being All right. gracious. All right. Okay. I know, folks, I told you to uh, log on, sign up to dumdum.com, and that uh, by this time this week, Tractor, the big map with everybody on, uh, would be all unveiled. It's not, quite simply. But definitely. Uh, before Christmas, it will all be up. But thank you to the people that have been signing up because quite a few of you have actually been doing that. And and also because of you, we realised that there were a couple of little bugs in the sign-up process. Uh, people were having trouble with Twitter, putting in the Twitter icon, the at icon before their names. That's now sorted. And also with the fact that you had to put in your address four times. So before Christmas, dumdydum.com will have Tractor on failed and i know you're all excited that's my little christmas present to you oh crumbs that reminds me ambridge at war we have i think three audio copies to give away now this is what i'm going to say to you folks if you would like to win an audio copy of ambridge at war send me an email and tell me about somebody who's a friend or a member of your family and how bonkers into the archers they are and i'll pick the first three fantastic emails that i get and i'll just send them to you and you should be able to get them just before christmas from the publishers i've completely forgotten the last couple of weeks um that they've given us these audio copies and i have not um given them out so there you go super simple no question but just write me an email royfield at gmail.com or go on to dumdum.com and hit contact us 
and write me um, a very short email and just say, this needs to go to my mum or my dad or my cousin or my auntie because. The audiobook is narrated by Patricia Hodge. It's, it's lovely. It really is nice. There you go. And you got, you got that from a proper book expert. What's a book expert called in bookies? Well, we're really called bookish people. If you're bookish or really? not, oh, yes, I'll just be a. No, there must be some kind of Latin root. Word. Oh, there is. Yes, but I'm. What is it? Biblia, bibliophile. There you go. So if you're a bibliophile, you always like to dumb things down, don't you? Like you're always negating the true intelligence of our listeners. You've got to stop doing that, Philippa. Bookish people, the bibliophile. Listen, I'm down with the youth. I'm in with the Instagram and the YouTube, and over there it's bookish. Really? So, but yes. You can't deny me my youth. What What was your rap group <laughs> called again? <laughs> moving on, moving on. Uh, folks, we had a couple of new Patreons sign up this week. It has to be said, I say this every week, but Patreon is utterly uh, the thing which really keeps this whole kit and caboodle, this whole show on the road. Without Patreon, uh, I couldn't afford to do Dumpty Dum. Um, I've never put it in such stark terms, but, but that's actually just the truth of the matter. Uh, whether it is the maintenance of the website, whether it is the purchasing of microphones, there's a whole load of things, speak pipe. So the contributions of the Patreons really are the lifeblood of, of Dum Dee Dum. So I'd like to thank everybody for contributing hard-earned shekel. And you can join them. Uh, you can join them on by becoming uh, a patron, by going on to patreon.com and committing $2 per show. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via speakerpipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with D-U-M in capitals to 07786 200 690. And of course, folks, um, we all know that uh, Twitter is uh, is the, the mother of dum dum Because of Twitter, um, you have your dum dum So you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> by simply typing in dum dum You can follow uh, Auntie Kerry Warburton, uh, where she is uh, Kerry Warbis, on Twitter. Also, you can follow Pete Vicklin on Twitter. Um, how would people follow you on Twitter? Oh, yes, I'm on Twitter as QuickBook Reviews, but instead of a W, it's a three. Smashing. And of course, uh, there is Facebook. And uh, it's kind of interesting that uh, Facebook is, um, there's a Department of um, Justice review into Facebook and its goings on in the United States at the moment. That's not to detract away from the utility that it provides, but just to say, hmm, abuse of power that's all i'm saying you heard it here first i've been railing against facebook for months on this podcast but all of a sudden all oh, people in the states have started to have a look just saying however at its core what it provides is something essential and is great and uh, puts us in contact with our fellow man it's just the way they go about it isn't good anyway um on facebook you can type in dumpty dum and you know what you get. Guess what you get, Philippa? Oh, I don't know. Do you get um, a mail order for Turkish Delight? No. What you get uh, is a whole load of dum dum on Facebook. When you do sign up, if you haven't done so already, scroll through the messages, find the poll 
which was put up, I believe by me, I'm not quite sure, uh, asking you, do you like Turkish delight? And I think not only will you say yes, it's yummy in your tummy, but you also you'll see that yet again, Philippa lost. And the great vast majority of Dumbly Dummers agree with me that it's yum in your tum. It does not taste like bum. And what you should do, if you don't know what the Flick app is, go on to the Google Play Store or the Apple uh, App Store, type in Flick, get the app. It's going to talk about sports. Don't worry about that. Just do a forward slash Dumbly Dum, and then you just get Dumbly Dum goodness. And as Philippa says, you get Drew from Hamilton in Tokyo, who's king of the apps. Him and Simon. And Melanie, who else is king and queen of that app? Monarch of that app. Let's just have a go on it and see. <laughs> so I'm on the app now. Uh, where in the world? Oh, I like that thread. Eggstones, Sally D. They're big on the app too. Cheryl, she's all over the app. Phoebe Figalily, Caroline P, Audrey Ann. You can join them or, you know, and, and many others by getting on to the Flick app and having your best pals that you've probably never met in your pocket, in your purse, in your knapsack, in your rucksack. Oh, you know Americans don't say rucksack. Really? No, they don't. It's about time that we ended Dumpty Dum. I've really enjoyed being with Philippa. I know so I've better. enjoyed being with you. Really? I was going to say, being with you this time was so much better than last time. Deep cut and a call back to previous Dumpty Dums, folks. You know what I'm saying. We're going to play out with some music. And I think it's only right and proper that um, we play out with Johnny Hates Jazz. Because uh, when Jonah, Jonah Man Jazz, uh, when that name came up, I thought, hmm, what was the name of that 1986 blockbuster hit? I couldn't remember, but I knew the name of the band. So we're going to play it out in true dum de dum fashion. One last shout out for the Flick app. If you would like to um, nominate a piece of music to play out, uh, there's a thread called Play Out Music on dum de dum So you go to that thread, Play Out Music on dum de dum and basically just throw in a piece of music. And um, Sue uh, Busley has said she'd love a bit of Bob Dylan. It's coming soon. Alison says, how about a bit of Tom Waits? Mm, Kentucky Avenue. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big Tom Waits fan. Where do you stand with Tom Waits? Um, oh, I'm very impartial on Tom Waits, having conducted extensive um, listening to him. I don't, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I failed you. For me, it's a bit like Bob Dylan, where I can't detach away from not feeling comfortable with the vocal delivery. That's not to say that they aren't geniuses, they're not, you know, they're not great visionaries and all of that. But Tom Waits, for me, just I just I just can't get around the voice. It says much more about me than it does about their musicianship. Because uh, who am I? I'm just some bloke on a podcast. Anyway, thank you for all your birthday messages last week. Uh, that was rather lovely. Thank you, everybody. That's me signing off. So underneath me right now, you're listening to the warm, dulcet sounds of Johnny Hayes Jazz and their UK hit, Shattered Dreams. There you go, Philippa. Oh, that was fun.